Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. USBT South Bend, the sports leader. Sports flag. I'm Peter Schwartz, and we begin with baseball. The National League West race tightening up. High drive that's hit the left center field. This ball is going way back, and this ball is gone. Yasiel Puig. He went three balls and two strikes. He fouled off three pitches in a row. He got one to his liking, and he puts the Dodgers on the board here with one out of the second inning. And for Yasiel Puig, his 17th home run and his 50th run batted in. First of two homers from Yasiel Puig. Rick Monday on Dodgers Radio. The Dodgers beat the Cardinals 3-0. L.A. now trailing Colorado by just a half game in the NL West. The Rockies lost to the Giants 2-0. The Diamondbacks are three and a half out after a 4-2 win over the Astros. Now to the NL Central race in Chicago. The Cubs were trailing the Reds 2-0 in the seventh until... Here's a drive! Deep left field! It's got a chance! Gone! Ian Happ, a three-run homer. Cubs lead 3-2. Pat Hughes on Cubs Radio. Cubs beat the Reds 3-2. The Brewers bested the Pirates 7-4s. The Cubs still lead the Brewers by a game and a half in the Central. Also in the National League, the Braves over the Nationals 10-5, and the Phillies beat up on the Marlins 14-2. Now to interleague play, we start in Boston. Bruce, it's a high fly ball, deep down the right field line, toward the corner. That one's going to go home run for Jay Bruce. Off the lefty, Robbie Scott, Jay Bruce cranks out a three-run homer. And the Mets, behind four RBIs from Bruce, Lead four to nothing. Wayne Randazzo, Mets Radio, Mets crushed the Red Sox eight to nothing. Also, the Rangers over the Padres four nothing. American League in ten, A's two, Rays one. The Yankees beat the Blue Jays eleven nothing. White Sox eight, Orioles six. The Tigers get by the Indians five to four. And Salvador Perez capping a five-run ninth with a walk-off grand slam. The Royals beat the Twins eight to four. Pirates right fielder Gregory Polanco. Could be out until June after undergoing surgery on his left shoulder. The typical recovery time, seven to nine months. From boxing, Floyd Mayweather posting a, vis- a video on his Instagram account. Says he'll come out of retirement in December to face Manny Pacquiao in a rematch. Now to the NFL. Bengals running back Joe Mixon will reportedly undergo a procedure to remove a small particle in his knee. He is expected to miss two weeks of action. I'm Peter Schwartz. I'm Rich Ackerman. Can't make it to the game? Tailgate with us. Ion College Football. Today at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on CBS Sports Radio. Saturday continues with WSBT Game Day, live from Ivy Court Inn and Suites. Here is your host, Evan Sharpley. And we're back. This is the Game Day Show with Evan Sharpley live from Ivy Court Inn and Suites. And every Irish fan, I think, needs to take a collective deep breath after last weekend. Notre Dame won 24-16, but it certainly was not very pretty. Although this was an ugly win at the end of the day, 
It's still a win. The Irish are now 2-0 with wins over rival Michigan and in-state football state. It should be another thrilling contest this weekend when the Vanderbilt Commodores arrive to South Bend for a 2.30 kickoff. And going into week three, the Fighting Irish ranked 92nd in the nation in offense right now. Points scored 95th in total yards and an alarming 106th in rushing yards. After striking for two quick touchdowns in its opening game against Michigan, Notre Dame scored just 10 points in the final 53 minutes. And if you take away two running plays for 73 yards last week, Ball State against Ball State, the Irish ran for just 44 yards on 39 attempts. Vanderbilt comes into town right now. Their average margin of victory, 29.5 points, thanks to a multi-pronged running attack. Three players have already rushed for 80-plus yards this season, and right now a defense that's forced six turnovers in two games. So it's going to be a challenging matchup for Notre Dame to get the ground game back on track. Vanderbilt, 18th best rush defense in the country, allowing just 75 yards per contest. The Irish offense will have to play more consistent and execute at a much higher level. On the defensive side, expect much of the same, a bend-but-don't-break mentality and a unit that forces timely turnovers. If you're in the area right now in South Bend tailgating, stop by Ivy Corden and Sweets, grab some Fisher's Tips and Chips barbecue. We may have an eating contest today. Most rib tips wins. All right, and we're going to continue talking Irish football with some former greats. I'm joined by my co-host, State Farm Agent Tim Growl. Tim, you doing all right? You good? Yeah, I'm, I'm good morning. I just, I'm stuck in the fact that you don't let anybody win a eating contest here in Miles. I actually think a sharply training. Not only do you train them in physical fitness, but that you also train them in eating. Is that true? Yeah, we can uh, we can put some food away definitely. So what do you think today? Now, when I was coming in today, not a whole lot of people. Atmosphere seems to be down, and that was our challenge last week between that and Michigan. So what are you looking today? Or when you were playing, were you able to stoke yourself to get up, or were you relying on your teammates, or did you all work together to get to that collective mindset? I think everyone's a little bit different on a weekly basis on, on how they prep and, and prepare for the game. Um, so uh, last week was was a learning process, uh, I think, for the coaching staff and understanding the type of players that they have. Um, and sometimes that, that takes a little bit of time. You come off an emotional victory against Michigan. Um, you don't expect a letdown, uh, but sometimes it's difficult to, to prepare uh, mentally and then go out there. Now, most people would say, how hard is it to, to get up and get excited for a college football game on a Saturday? And I think that there's certainly some merit to that. Um, but many of the players even admitted that they overlooked Ball State. Ball State came in, I thought had a great game plan. They executed at a high level. Yes, Their energy level was much higher than Notre Dame. Um, but the take-home, which is great, is it was still a win. <laughs> and you're 2-0. Michigan sitting at one and one and one. I think Michigan would rather be two and zero with two ugly wins. Um, that you've got Notre Dame here sitting out at two and zero with a, with a good Vanderbilt team coming in. Uh, but if you look at the next two weeks, they're two winnable games. Um, I think a lot of people are circling the Stanford game, uh, potentially two undefeated teams here in South Bend under right, the lights. Right. But you got to take care of business on a weekly basis. Yeah, believe me, Paul State, they would have liked to have that win. They were, played really hard. IU's going to have some uh, handful down there probably <laughs> down there today. Well, it looked like last week after Michigan beat Western 49-3 to that uh, <laughs> Notre Dame played the wrong the wrong oh, Max school. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know what? Every year we talk about playing SEC teams, so we got one here today. 
and we're also got here today, and I'm going to let you introduce them all. Last year, um, with the passing of Coach Era, we dedicated the season to Coach Era, and we had on a player at least from one of his teams every single game, home or away last year. So we're going to start out with a mini little reunion today, and I know you know some of these Yeah, we've got time. Bill Gallagher, Jack Clorty, Walt Potelski, and John Dampier sitting here at the table. Um, and again, if you want to stop by, these guys, you know, they, they'll offer getting a picture taken with you, I'm sure. I don't know if they're going to be part of the eating contest or not. Um, we'll we'll see how that goes. But guys, thanks for taking some some time today. It's a it's a beautiful day, and and, and Tim did mention the atmosphere is a little bit different than, than two weeks ago. I think you kind of you know people on campus felt that last week too. Um, you guys were on some really good football teams, and, and Bill, we'll start with you. How do you how do you manage those expectations um, on a weekly basis, knowing that when teams arrive to South Bend? you're always going to get their best shot. Right. Well, first of all, you guys don't give coaches enough credit. Uh, last week, I would be willing to bet that, that Notre Dame's coaching staff said, we can beat this team by staying very basic offensively and defensively, not show anything, not show some of the uh, schemes that we're going to use in future games, and we can still get by. And they did that. Now, I think it was still probably a little closer than they wanted it to be. Um, but I, I think sometimes people overlook that. You don't do that in the pros. You don't. You never, because every pro team can beat any pro team. But, again, I, I would think that Ball State coming in here, uh, I, what were they, 35, 38-point underdogs or something? Only so two, we, we can, we can beat them by, by playing basic offense and defense and... Uh, and I don't think that's a slap in the face to Ball State. I, I think it's just uh, it's the reality. And I think Ball State, like you said, they, they came in and they played a really good game, had a really good game plan. And uh, if you want to say, hey, they almost pulled the upset, I think it was kind of safely in the bag, but no, no chance of beating a spread <laughs> you there. You weren't too worried then, huh? No, I wasn't. But uh, Jack, uh, Jack has some thoughts about how we played week in and week out with Barsegian when we played a team like Ball State. Yeah, I mean, one, one of the things I think the, the class of 72 and, and others during the era of era were very proud of is we always beat who we were supposed to beat. And we typically beat them pretty soundly uh, without running up the score. And I think that in part goes back to a commitment from both the coaches and the players. I mean, Error was incredible and his whole staff about having a detailed game plan in the days when you didn't have this. May I have your attention, please? This is Tim McCarthy for the Indiana State Police. You are listening to WSBT, your radio home for Notre Dame football. We're back with the game day show live from Ivy Court Inn and Suites on your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 FM, 9.60 AM, WSBT. Wasn't uh, Brian Kelly talking about selling chaos during practice and stuff? So that's, that's what we were doing. That's what live radio is. Yeah, yeah. We're just checking on everybody. Well, we're skills. talking with John Dampier, Walt Potolsky, Jack Clordy, and Bill Gallagher um, about how to avoid, I think the, the term is a trap game, and maybe more an emotional trap. Um, once you've played a, a big rival like Michigan, a letdown last week against Ball State, you have another opponent that you should beat today in Vanderbilt. Um, John, how do you how do you kind of get around that mentally and then go out there and physically execute? Well, I think I think Bill was exactly right. I think you have to uh, uh, have a lot of trust in the coaches, and I think they executed their plan. And the players, um, when we were being prepared, our coaches were saying. 
if you play your game, you can beat this team. The other coach was saying on a team like Ball State, you can beat Notre Dame if you play. Our job was to come out in the first quarter and say to them, hey, our coach lied. We can't beat this team. And once you let a team in a game, then you've got a game. In our 32 games that we played under air, we only lost one game to a team that had less talent than we do. And it still hurts me that we lost, we lost to a Missouri team that we should have beaten. But they played an absolutely flawless game. We only had like three possessions in the first half, so it's just an unusual situation. But we beat the teams we were supposed to, and that helps your record. And let me tell you something. Five years from now, nobody's going to worry about what the score was to the Ball State game. They're going to say Notre Dame was 10-2. and two. Right. John, um, I, I want to get your your thoughts on, on the game last week specifically and looking at the offensive line. Um, it was, I think, inconsistent at best. You've got some new faces in there. Anytime you're replacing two guys that were top ten picks, um, it's difficult as far as chemistry goes. What's going on right now in the huddle? What's going on in that, in that uh, offensive line room throughout the week? And how can these guys make sure that they're getting on the same page moving forward? I think they're on the same page. I mean, you lost a lot of physical talent last year. I mean, when's the last time a team sent two guys to the NFL in the first 10 in the first 10 spots I mean so they that was a lot to replace I think most people uh that's what our biggest concern was going into into this year you know as a former quarterback you may say well we were worried about the quarterback I was worried about the offensive line I was worried about the offensive line too there was so much of course but the publicity goes to the quarterback position but you lose two guys like that, I don't care who's coming in, as talented as they are, those are those are big shoes. And I think these I think these guys that are playing now are physically talented too, but offensive line requires an awful lot of trust and uh, coordination and working together. Uh, so you have to be doing that. So that'll that'll they'll get better all year long. And I think I was worried about it. I'm so happy we beat a great Michigan team. That's one of the best defenses. Yeah. And the fact that we got past them was a real big step in the right direction. So they'll get better. Let's bring it back to Bill. Uh, Bill, I, I want it through two games now. Notre Dame's 2-0, uh, sitting at number eight in the nation. Vanderbilt today kickoff at 2.30. What's been your general feel so far of this Irish team offensively and defensively? Well, I mean, as a coach <clears throat> uh, for 40 years at the high school level, uh, I've, I looked how the, how the game has advanced in a ways and and maybe in some other ways falling back a little bit you you start out with uh wing t teams and they went to wishbone teams to twin veer and things like that um the way the everybody now is kind of playing some form of the spread and going back to the offensive line that john was talking about um and and watching the the team that i'm coaching with now watching the offensive line work with them it's it's really difficult. Everybody's kind of has to step at the same time in the same direction with their shoulders parallel to the line of scrimmage. It's a difficult thing to teach. So if if you don't have the offensive line experience to do that as a unit, as a unit. Now just one player blocking the guy in front of them that that doesn't work. You have to work as a unit. And uh, and I think Notre Dame you know will will progress with that as they go further into the season. Uh, uh, if you look at the schemes that people are using defensively now, uh, their defenses are much more aggressive, which makes it even more difficult for as a unit for everybody to step the same way and, and wall off people that way. Uh, but I guess the, the, the bottom line is the one thing that hasn't changed is that football is a game of blocking and tackling. 
So if you can block and tackle, you know, you're, you're going to be fine. And, and uh, I think Notre Dame's just going to keep progressing in that area with this young team, particularly in the offensive line and the backfield. As we get you ready for the Irish and the Commodores and WSBT's game day show, Tim Growl, Evan Sharpley here at the Ivy Court. Uh, Jack, how about talking about a new running back that we've got that really came in as a split receiver, Tavar Armstrong. As a former running back, what do you see in him? I see a lot of talent. I think it's going to take a little bit of time, Tim, for him to transition. You know, kind of being that uh, elite tailback, which is, is something I think we need to establish over the next couple games going into Stanford. But I think he, he's got a lot of instincts. I, he seems to be able to run through the tackles pretty well. He's, uh, he, he's a hard, tough kid. And I think he's going to get better as we go on. Uh, in today's game, as Bill mentioned, uh, we, you need depth at tailback. And I, I'm looking for them to play additional guys and maybe... Uh, the one guy to kind of, once he's back on the team in a full position, uh, I think that's going to help a lot, give ourselves confidence as we build the offensive line. What are we looking at? Evan Dexter back in a couple of weeks? Uh, four games. Yeah, four yeah. games suspension. Uh, you know, they've, they've shifted around some guys right now. Uh, former quarterback uh, Avery Davis is playing a little uh, running back, uses a slot to Jafar Armstrong, and then Tony Jones Jr. had a touchdown last week. So kind of running back by committee, I think trying to utilize the different strengths um, from each. But, you know, anytime you have a young offensive line and mixing and matching as far as the rushing game goes, um, I think there's going to be some, some growing pains. Um, one thing I, I do believe moving forward is we're going to see a more active Brandon Winbush um, in the running game, just with his ability, uh, what he did last year, 14 rushing touchdowns, accounted for 30 total. You know, they wanted, they wanted him to be more of a pocket passer, but as dynamic as he is, and, and with some, I think, some question marks right now um, at running back, at least consistently, I think he can help the running game quite a bit. Um, through two games, Wall, what have you seen so far from this, this Irish team? Um, and m maybe what what bodes well moving forward for this potentially being a team that could could make a run uh, to the college football playoffs? I'm, in, uh, I'm impressed with the level of talent that they recruited. I think we're now uh, in very close to being in the elite type of Alabama Clemson recruiting year after year. Uh, I believe. That's how you're going to get to where we can go. And you need With the injuries, you need a number of people. You just never know when you're going to step in. And it would like to have uh, the ability to reproduce other players coming back out and filling in the slots. And, uh, one of the things that the college transfers this year is a, a very interesting kind of a nuance that gave so many different college transfers that they able to step in. And I believe that Notre Dame picked up one of those. Yeah, and, and another rule um, I'd like to get all your guys' opinion on this, too, is that was just instated this year. Now, freshmen can play in four games without losing a redshirt. Um, so coaches now can be a little more specific on game planning weekly and saying, you know, here's a specific package for this young, could be a quarterback. Uh, for this defensive lineman, he's going to be in the rotation where now, if you are a redshirt guy, um, you can still, I mean, you could play four games, you could play four full games and, and still, and still uh, not lose the redshirt. So, John, what are your thoughts on that as far as maybe what that will mean? I don't, I don't know if we know what it will mean in year one, but if we're looking maybe two or three years down the road, as far as development is concerned, what do you think about this rule? I don't think anybody knows. 
I think you're, you're asking a really good question. So what they'll do is start experimenting. I mean, I go way back. Uh, I was one of the first red shirts that Notre Dame ever had. I came in with this class of 72, but I got hurt in the final scrimmage before the first game. When you couldn't play a minute, a minute back then, or I was out for the season. So I, uh, I think the, the red shirt question is a good one. But I want to come back to what Walt said. I think the level, level of talent we have, particularly on both the offense and the defensive line, you're beginning to develop some real depth. And I think you can't. I don't Well, that was you. You came in at what 120 pounds, right? And then. Oh yeah. It's 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 pretty unbelievable. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, Jack, what what are your thoughts on on this on this redshirt rule, and where do you see it maybe taken? I, I think the biggest thing is coaches are going to now. It's almost like you know they're going to have a they may have a weekly uh, roster sheet on here's who's active this week and crossing guys' names off the list. Well, I, I think it is going to evolve, as we said. One of the things that I think it might help with is recruiting. You know, particularly the very skilled positions. If you take a quarterback in, and he's worried about being slotted in front of a Joe Theismann kind of guy, and he's going to sit on the bench for a couple years, he may be able to get some more playing time and not lose a year of, of uh, eligibility. So I think it is going to evolve. I think that... Uh, the players themselves have to look at their own situation and, and kind of make the most of it. As John said, we never redshirted unless you were a guaranteed starter, etc. They didn't offer you a fifth year. I also think it'll keep the level of competitiveness high within the team and build depth. Well, Bill, let's uh, let's take this back now. We've talked kind of about you know your thoughts on, on the current team, um, but but having you guys here is always very special, and, and, and hearing stories about Era the way he coached, the man that he was. If each one of you could just take a little bit of time, maybe your favorite story, something that's always resonated with you, stuck with you, um, we'd love to hear it. Well, um, I can tell you that when I was a junior uh, playing, I knew that I wanted to coach football. I wanted to be a football coach. And one of my favorite things that I took from, from Ara was a poster that was in the locker room and that poster read there's no such thing as football coaches only people coaches and I think you know more than ever today's kid has to be be able to be reached by the coach in a way not that that he's teaching them how to block and tackle and and how to take a handoff and throw a pass but the, it's really important for the coach to to know the kid to know his family uh, you know, to, to really get the most uh, of that player's talent out of him is to, is for the coach to, to express to that kid that, hey, uh, I have interest in you other than you being a football player because I'm not coaching football players. You know, uh, I'm not coaching footballs. I'm coaching football players. Well, what about you? Uh, I think the, the one thing that stands out in my mind is our senior year, 
we were invited to play in the um, Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida. And in the beginning of the year, we were picked to be number one. And we had a very, we lost a quarterback, uh, injuries. We had a very, in our mind, we were eight and three uh, and very disappointing season. And uh, Eric wisely said that uh, we're going to vote on whether we go to the bowl game or not. And um, it was Tom Gatewood and myself. So we voted and uh, we looked at the results and nobody wanted to go. <laughs> so uh, I said to Tom, I said, well, you know, which one of us is going to tell Era? And uh, I said, okay, um, I think I did it. So we go and we see Era and we say, coach, um, players don't want to go to the game. Era looks at us and he goes, have them vote again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stories of uh, Walt Patalski previously was Bill Gallagher or Jack Clarity. What, what do you have for a memory? Yeah, one, one of the things is I think all the players on the team had the ultimate respect for Era. Uh, and he didn't have to say a lot to get his point across. I remember uh, it was the first bowl game we went to, the Cotton Bowl. And they took, uh, they took the team, the first two teams, the night before the game out to a seminary, if you remember. And we, we had dinner the next morning. We went to Mass. We had a chalk talk, and then we, we bust into the station. Well, I was so incredibly excited about being on the team at the game, I didn't sleep the night before at all. <laughs> and we came back from the Mass. We had about an hour to kill in our rooms, and we all had individual rooms. And I fell asleep in, in a chair. And the whole bus, all of a sudden, I have a manager, Mike Keating, coming into my room. Clarity, everybody's <laughs> waiting for you on the bus. So I run out, like run out there, left my glasses back in the room, jumped on the bus, and Eris just kind of standing there. Right behind him is Mike McCoy and Bobo Olson, just, I mean, giving me the stink eye big time. And I just quickly went to the back and sat down. Never said another word to me again, but believe me, I was the earliest guy for every meeting <laughs> for the next two years. It, it was something else. And you're okay without your glasses? I, yeah, I, somebody went back and got them, fortunately, but yeah. Not you. Yeah, not me. No, 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 no. I was lucky to be alive. <laughs> well, John, what about you? you have any stories? Yeah, my story is that uh, Era had a great coaching staff, but I always felt that he knew more every p position than any of his coaches. And my story is is that I was a sophomore, and Era was always in practice. He was in the offensive huddle, and then we would break and uh, run the play. And I went up to the line, and I got in my stance, and he came and move my stance about two inches. He says, your stance is not right. You can't play if your stance isn't right. And I said, okay, that level of detail is something that I knew that if he was going to move my foot two inches, I had better make sure that everything I did was absolutely right. John, it's, that's, it's, that's great. It's, it's always here and great hearing these stories. And, and one other thing that we talk about quite a bit here, too, is just your guys' path to Notre Dame, we always find extremely interesting. Um, there's always usually a, a why um, or kind of a moment where you're like, this place is right. Bill, Bill when was that for you? Uh, when I got home and spoke to my father after the visit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I, uh, I was a week before I was at Michigan. And uh, it was a it was a great visit, but Notre Dame just had something special. I was shown around by a local guy, Jackie Mann, who was on the basketball team. Uh, he introduced me to not just football players, but all kinds of athletes. And everybody had something 
positive in some way to say about the place. Um, and, you know, you go over to the stadium and look up and see the touchdown Jesus and all the tradition that was here. Uh, for uh, for an Irish Catholic young lad, it was the place for me. <laughs> Jack, what about you? Yeah, I think uh, Irish Catholic family background. My dad, a huge Subway alumni guy. I kind of grew up probably starting at five, listening to the games on the radio, the Paul Hornings and, and all those guys. And uh, like the other fellas, I was recruited pretty heavily, but once Notre Dame did commit to me, it, it wasn't even, both the academics and the athletics was, I knew it was the place that I wanted to give a great shot, and I'm, I'm very happy that I did. But you won't. Well, I was kind of unusual. Uh, actually, Father Ted Hesburg recruited me. Uh, there was a universal Notre Dame. That's, that's quite the recruiting pitch right there. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually took my letter of intent with him. Uh, there was a universal uh, Notre Dame night in Syracuse, where uh, where was that from? And uh, we came into the, the um, to the da- uh, banquet, and Father Hesburgh introduces himself to my mother and starts speaking Polish right away. My mother turns to me and goes, "You're going to Notre Dame." <laughs> That was it. It was over. <laughs> John, what about you? And my experience was uh, quite a bit different because these guys grew up being Notre Dame fans. And for the 66 Notre Dame-Michigan State game, I went out and played touch football with my friends and said, why would I waste my time watching two Yankee schools beat up on each other? <laughs> I knew I was going to stay in Texas and, and play. And we played uh, one big high school game, and uh, somebody from the board of directors was there and wrote a letter and said, you should ask this kid from some, for some film. And they just sent me a letter and said, send in some film. And it, it, it went from there. But for me, it was... Uh, I like very much the fact that Notre Dame did not have an athletic dorm. It, when all the other schools I went to, they, they stayed separated from the students. And here... Being integrated into the student body made a big difference to me, and I figured I'd have a better chance to be a normal student and also be on a heck of a football team. So, Well, John, Walt, Jack, Bill, thank you guys for stopping by today. Um, hopefully a good game, maybe a little more convincing than last week. Enjoy the tailgating experience. If you guys are hungry, we've got some Fisher's Tips and Chips barbecue right over here. I will go head-to-head on the <laughs> yes, tip. Yes, he will. If you guys want You're to. Rad. Um, but th- yeah, thank thank you so much. Always great talking with you guys. Uh, appreciate the stories, and I know our listeners do as well. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. This is WSBT's Game Day. We're live from the porch of the Ivy Court Inn and Suites. To get a reservation for the Florida State game or to book your own getaway, call the Ivy Court team at 574-277-6500. We'll be right back with former Notre Dame offensive line. This is former tight end Robin Weber. My job was to catch footballs. Yours is to catch every Notre Dame game right here on your home for Fighting Irish Football, WSBT. Welcome back to the Game Day Show. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, alongside State Farm Agent Tim Grau. We're live from Ivy Corden and Suites, just across from Linebacker Bar. We've got Fisher's Tips and Chips Barbecue here. It's a beautiful Saturday. Kickoff is at 2.30. The Game Day Show is brought to you by Budweiser. Great times are waiting. Grab some buds. Carmela's at McCree's, your post-game dining destination, and McCree's Italian Bakery for all your tailgating needs. Eddie Street Commons at Notre Dame. Come dine, shop, and enjoy the merchants at Eddie Street Commons. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Together we can stop hunger. Learn more at feedindiana.org. Great stories. We always love hearing uh, era stories and four great players there all together. It's up to defense, offense, 
good to get their pick. But now we're going to bring that back maybe a little to current day a little, uh, little bit. Well, I got to know, how'd you pull this one off? God, somebody gave me a tip about somebody. <laughs> so I will publicly thank Evan for giving me the tip to get uh, his buddy over here. And this, do you have something on Evan that Trevor Robinson's our next guest? I always like to hear stories about Evan. So uh, No, nothing, nothing uh, that's fit for radio. I <laughs> That's what everybody says. Yep. Well, Trevor, right. Trevor it's, it's great to have you on the show. Um, bring, bring us up to speed. Um, you know, once football, and then we'll get into that a little bit more, where is life taking you? What are you doing now? So I'm here locally, living uh, about 15 minutes northeast of campus here, just up the road in Granger. Um, so my wife and I uh, had our twins in Chicago last year. I was, I was with the Falcons at the time, and uh, uh, we kind of came to that fork in the road where we were going to travel down there and, and, and keep chasing that or, or hang them up and kind of have the stability that uh, is a little, little more favorable with the family and young kids and everything. So uh, sent Mr. Goodell my, my retirement papers, ended up here back in town where my wife is from. She grew up here in Granger. Um, so I'm working at Lippert Components here in town enjoying it um, getting getting a little more involved in the community and back here in campus so uh, just enjoying enjoying life after football and all, all the glory that and you're brings. doing that with uh, another former yeah, so offensive lineman say, from Notre yeah. Dame too yeah so Braxton Cave who uh, we came here in the same class uh, 08 we were freshmen together on the offensive line here um, so he's doing really well over there and as I was transitioning out of football and kind of reaching out through the network at, at Notre Dame and exploring some options he brought me in there and showed me around and it was a good fit um, been over there for about a year now and uh, it's gone pretty well I know this is a little off topic and we, we talked about it a little bit but both you Braxton actually Ryan Harris who's who's now the uh, color analyst for the radio you guys have dropped what about 30 or 40 plus pounds um, I don't I think that that's that's kind of a new thing you're seeing a lot of Pat Kuntz, I think uh, he's a, he was a defensive lineman in my yeah, class. Same yeah, Kuntz, thing. Kuntz doesn't even look the same. Yeah, so what's been that? Uh, how do you feel? So feel <laughs> awesome. Uh, I, I actually, for the longest time, I, I struggled to keep my weight up. My last couple years playing uh, in San Diego with the Chargers, I was, you know, in the 285 to 295 range, which uh, is an uphill battle with some of those those nose guards that you're going to play on Sundays. Uh, so I was eating and eating and eating, and finally, when when it wasn't uh, necessary to be that big anymore, I just kind of fell into a little more natural routine. And and some of the advice that I gotten from people that had transitioned out of football uh, that played on the offensive and defensive line was, hey, do it right away, or it's going to get really hard, and you're probably never going to do it. So uh, kind of attacked at full speed. I ended up. Uh, going from about 305 down to about 230. Um, took six or seven or eight months or so. I found found about 15 or 20 of those back. But uh, <laughs> no, I feel great. I, I attack I attack stairs with no fear. Well, I Ryan Harris, he said he he says when he walks now, he feels like he's running. <laughs> <laughs> I call that parrot training. He's getting ready oh, for those yeah. twins. He's getting ready for those twins. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I sleep better. Uh, you know, we always joke, it doesn't matter if we stay up, if we go out or, or watch a late movie or something. They don't care. They're waking up at 6. So <laughs> that's right. uh, I, I can't snooze the alarm anymore. Well, Trevor, let's let's talk about uh, this team this year. Uh, you've seen him play for two games, Michigan, uh, Ball State last week, got Vanderbilt in town. What have you what have you liked so far? What are some areas you think you'll see some, we'll see some improvement as the season moves forward? Uh, I love the defense, man. It's, it's been really cool to see. Um, you know, obviously the special teams touchdown with Michigan, but other than that, man, they played really, really good ball for 
uh, you know, about 56 or 57 minutes of that game on the defensive side. Uh, you know, I thought we struggled in pass protection at times. Um, you know, you kind of see that at the college level when you when you struggle to run the ball a little bit uh, at certain periods in the game or situationally. Uh, pass protection is hard. Uh, it's especially hard when you when you're forced to become one-dimensional, whether that's uh, uh, dictated by the situation in the game or uh, you know or, or where you're at. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting to see the the line kind of pick up. Obviously, lost some big-time names, uh, some talented players, and a, and a coach there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see that position, I think, kind of grow throughout the year. What's it like when there are some faces that are gone? Uh, and maybe really, you know, the, the biggest story I think that was talked about that maybe not is you have a new coach, too. Harry, he stands gone, who's worked with all these guys for a long time. Great replacement in Quinn. But, you know, obviously that there's going to be... There's going to be some new things going on. Players are going to be seeing new things. They're going to be maybe hearing it a little bit different too. Um, what, what's what's going on right now in that in that meeting room? And and what I think for you, what would be some signs that you're you would be confident moving forward that these guys are going to get this figured out? Yeah. So I could speak to that a little bit. I had three offensive line coaches in college, and then uh, maybe four in five years playing in the NFL, and. And every, every time you have a new coach comes in, you know, some guys will try to keep some consistency with the guy that was there before. Uh, but a lot of it is the verbiage. It's a different language when you're on the offensive line. Uh, you know, you can't go up and look at the guy next to you and say, hey, me and you are blocking number 52 and number 90 on this play. There's a, a language that comes with it, and uh, it takes time for that to, to, to happen naturally. So... Uh, you know, I think you'll you'll see fewer mistakes. Uh, you know, free runners at the quarterback are usually a, a pretty obvious sign that, that something was missed up front, and, and a lot of times that's through communication. Um, but yeah, seeing seeing the running game come together, I think, is when you see some cohesion on the offensive line. Is uh, it, it takes multiple guys winning blocks next to each other to, to find yards in the running game, and I think that's probably the biggest tell uh, of those guys coming together. Tim Growl, Evan Sharpley, and WSPT's game day here at the Ivy Court. We're talking football with ND and NFL lineman Trevor Robinson. I'm going to have you guys have a discussion, and I need to have you put it in layman's terms. We have a problem with the 3-4 defense. And Evan, I heard you talking on the Leprechaun Luncheon yesterday somewhat about it, but having an offensive lineman here and stuff, why is that so difficult? I mean, we had it last week, now we're going to correct, right? This week again, we're going to face it. What makes that so difficult? So most teams now are playing a little bit of both. They'll play some 3-4 some personnel, but they'll, they'll put them in four-down spacing a little bit. Uh, the biggest difference up front is that uh, in true 3-4 true spacing, you're blocking guys that are playing what's called a two-gap technique. Um, so they're going to be lined up right on your nose, and they're not going to just be responsible for one gap, um, but they're going to play a little bit differently. And a 4-3, guys are coming off the ball. They're trying to penetrate. Uh, and a true 3-4, um, Oki spacing, as we called it, um, guys are kind of reading. They're, they're not trying to push you back. They're uh, playing just a different technique. And if, you, you know, if you're young on the offensive line or at the tight end positions, uh, you probably didn't see a lot of that in high school. You may not have seen a lot of that um, in, in training camp or whatever it is. Uh, so it's just a big adjustment, um, and that, that kind of happens at any level. If you if you go through a lot of, of practice and, and previous games playing against one type of front and you see the other one, um, there, there's a little bit of a learning curve that happens. That was something that I actually struggled with was, was true two-gap, zero-nose guards um, playing on Sundays when I was playing centers. 
Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. So Evan, is there something with the quarterback that he's got to do to? Is it a call from Sam Mustafer on the line? Is it a call from quarterback or both to get you in the right? Well, in my experience, the offense I ran it started with a discussion between the quarterback and the center. Uh, usually with the quarterback, uh, once that call was made, identifying um, the Mike linebacker. The line would then make communications and calls within their group of five on who was going to be blocked uh, through that verbiage. Um, in, in Brian Kelly's offense, I'm not 100% sure how that discussion is, but I know anytime you do have a, a veteran at the center position, it does help quite a bit. And, and Trevor, you could probably speak to uh, maybe what those calls look like, what that communication looks like in this specific offense. Yeah, so it's it's when I was uh, here with Coach Kelly, and, and you know, it's been what six six years an hour so since since then so a lot of things might have changed but we didn't have a mic id call which was something that was a really difficult adjustment for me uh you know you always hear on the tv copies quarterbacks at any level or, or the center whoever's responsible for making that call on the offense coming and saying hey mike's number 50 mike's five two whatever it is um and that's kind of setting the point for the whole offense of of identifying guys but one thing in the spread offense the box gets really light. You, you typically aren't going to see a full seven-man box. You're only going to see five or six guys on defense up around the line of scrimmage. Um, so we just kind of did everything off spacing. You had a, a front-side linebacker and a back-side linebacker. Um, and your protections is really where you can get challenged with the 3-4 defense because there's one more question mark about who's going to be a pass rusher and who's going to be dropping back into coverage. So when you have four guys down, you typically, uh, as protection, you're going to have the four down guys and one other body as, a, as an offensive lineman. When it's three down, now you have your three down guys and you have two other bodies. So there's a little bit more of a question mark about who you're responsible for. Um, and a lot of times that creates an advantage for the defense. Big win against Michigan two weeks ago. Possibly an emotional letdown. It, it's tough coming off of um, a game like that where you have an electric stadium uh, it's packed under the lights. You play against Ball State, Vanderbilt this week, Wake Forest next week. Kind of a lull in between Michigan to Stanford. How do you, how do you prepare? And, and and Brian Kelly was has been very outspoken following the game last week, all week this week, that the coaches need to do a better job. Well, he's certainly not going to single out any players, and that's what that's what a good coach should do. But as a player, what can these guys do? from a leadership standpoint to make sure that they don't come out as flat from an energy perspective like they did last week. Right, so the guys that have a few years under their belt, the, the message really always needs to be, hey, when you when you think you're doing really well and everybody's telling you you're really good, you're probably not as good as, as, <laughs> as the voices are saying. And when you have what would be a letdown or, or a bad game or even if you lose a game, you're probably not as bad as, as what everybody's making it out to be. It's uh, it's always interesting to look back at a handful of plays out of you know 100 or so plays in a game that that really are going to make the difference. So uh, the message from the older guys, the leadership is just you know consistency, uh, control what you can control, and kind of block out the the voices that are telling you either hey you're really great or hey you stink because uh, it's usually somewhere in the middle. Give us give us your thoughts on on today. Um, couple of keys to the to the to the game today, and then uh, score prediction if you'd like. Ooh, score prediction that'd be tough. Uh, my keys to the game are, are the same in any football game. Uh, follow the quarterbacks, uh, follow the offensive line, and uh, see if the D-line can create pressure. Quarterbacks uh, at the college level, even the great ones are going to struggle when there's somebody in their face. Um, man, score-wise, 
Ooh, college football's wild card, man. 35-21 Irish. Ooh, all right. There Notre we go. Notre Dame's favorite announcer in ESPN, Kirk Herbstreit, just picks Vanderbilt for the upset. All right. <laughs> so that means oh, it is, it's a, it is a 15-point spread, so your score is pretty close there. You're taking the ballpark, under, huh? yeah. I, I like yours, point. Trevor. I like yours. Well, Trevor, hey, thanks, thanks so much for uh, stopping by. Um, I know you don't want to get up to 245, 250, but we do have some great food here, some uh, Fisher's Chips and Chips barbecue. Um, you might be able to take me in the eating contest. I don't know. Um, I'd I think like to see I, that I might put the money on you today, um, although I haven't had a lot to eat so far this morning, so you I say, think it would be a pretty good fight. You fun. say that every week. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for stopping awesome. by, Awesome, yeah. Thanks Good's for there. having me. I appreciate it. No problem. On your home for Notre Dame football, 96-1 WSBT, the sports leader. This is game day. We'll be right back with Evan's keys to the game. Back to the game day show with Evan Sharpley on your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 FM, 9.60 AM, WSBT. We're live from Ivy Court and in suites just across from the linebacker. We've got Fisher's Tips and Chips Barbecue. We just got done talking with Trevor Robinson. We had John Dampier, Walt Patulski, Jack Clorty, and Bill Gallagher. And we are prepping for the Notre Dame-Vanderbilt game. Kickoff is at 2.30. Notre Dame is ranked number eight right now with wins over Michigan two weeks ago and a close game last week against the Ball State Cardinals. Yeah, um, before we get to the keys to the game, boy, that's the smell of that barbecue. <laughs> Your salad is coming in strong. <laughs> yeah, it's coming in. Um, so real, real quick, and we'll get in the keys of the game, but uh, Brandon, quarterback expectations now from uh, two games in and going forward. Well, I mean... It's it's two wins, so that's that's great. Um, I think the the film the last the film the last two weeks, um, you know, was was probably hard to watch as an offense. Did some good things um, offensively. You know, it, it always starts and stops with the quarterback. You know, you're gonna you're gonna be loved when things are going great, and when things aren't going sure. great, the finger's gonna be pointed at you. Um, so, you know, I think continue to move forward. You you want to take steps in a positive direction, um, and, and that has to do with. Um, you know, protection at the line of scrimmage, starting to build a running game. I think the changes and shifts that you're going to see this week, uh, we saw that a little bit last week in the second half against Ball State with some success. Uh, more play-action passing, more move the pocket, um, and some more designed runs uh, with Brandon Wimbush's name on those. Um, with his ability as a runner, like I, like I said, we said earlier in the show, you know, 14 rushing touchdowns last year. Um, I think that that's going to help open some things up, both in the passing game, but also for the running backs, sure, guys absolutely. like Jafar Armstrong, Tony Jones Jr., um, and Avery Davis in that mix too. So that, that's what I'm looking for. You know, I, I think I think the sky is the limit as far as what he's capable of. Uh, I think he, he can be a guy that can can truly hurt you with his arm and with his legs. Um, so right right now, you know, the, the take home message, which is very positive, is I think this defense continues to impress me. I think they play with a pretty good attitude. Didn't want to be on the field for 90 plays last week. Need to continue to do a better job. They're very opportunistic. They're doing a pretty good job on third down. I think we're going to continue to see that. You're seeing guys compete at the ball um, when it's in the air. You're seeing guys at the point of attack, the front seven playing really well. That's going to continue, um, which offensively is really nice then because you, you feel, <laughs> I think you you have some more wiggle room um, sure. as this offensive line continues to grow and to mature together. The defense holds as some of the as some of these wide receivers establish themselves as as more go to guys. Um, I, I think that 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 trends well moving forward. Now you have to take care of business this week. You go on the road next week against Wake Forest. Take care of business, and then you've got a really big matchup against Stanford back here in South Bend. Well, I hope you didn't steal any of your thunder for your keys to the game, buddy. <laughs> but let's see. Let's 
see what you got. Well, it's you know every week it's it's fairly similar. You know, I, I always look at what's going on offensive and defensively at the at the point of attack um, for this offensive line. More consistency, better execution for four quarters. Um, you know, not not giving up as many pressures, not giving up as many sacks will help a quarterback. Um, Trevor Robinson said that. You know, that's any good quarterback is not going to be a very good quarterback if there are guys in his face. Right. On the defensive side, um, a lot of the a lot of the success this defense has had has been able to get pressure on quarterbacks with a four man rush. Um, not having to bring as many blitzers that helps out your your defensive backs, your safeties, your corners. It gives them um, much more confidence. So I'm going to be looking at that offensive and defensive line, the adjustments that are going to be made offensively at the point of attack, and then is the defensive line going to continue to be able to get those pressures? The second, I always look at the turnover battle. You know, are are you giving up a lot of big plays? Um, are you able to force some turnovers, protect the ball offensively, and then finally the third down conversion rate? Are you getting off the field on that money down? If you are, that's usually going to Set yourself up for quite a bit of and success. Your score, Evan. I've got a 27-17 Irish victory, and it's that close because of last week. <laughs> Evan, I thank all of our guests for joining us today. A big thank you to Matt back in the studio and Jeremy on site here at the Ivy Court. Thank you to Jessica and the awesome Ivy Court staff, and a lot of cheers for Rob and all the good food over there from Fisher's Tips and Chips. Don't go anywhere. Your fighting Irish uh, coverage continues for Notre Dame and Vanderbilt. We got the Budweiser's Game Day Sports Beat, followed by the Notre Dame Tailgated pregame show. Then at well, after 2.30, you'll have the uh, kickoff. Please join us next week. We're going to have a breakfast show from the WSBT studios as we prepare you for the Irish versus Wake Forest at 8 a.m. Right here on your home for fighting Irish football, 96-1 WSBT. For Evan Sharpley, this is Tim Brown. Go Irish! Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.